Here we go. Neutron, proton, mass effect, lyrical oxidation, you're irrelevant, mass spectrograph, your electron volt, atomic energy erupting as I get all open on betatrons, gamma rays, thermal cracking, cyclotron, any and every mic you're on, transuranium, if y'all was uranium, molecule spontaneous combustion, Bam. law of definite proportion, game, ink weight, I'm every element around. Hello and welcome to Spark Science, where we explore stories of human curiosity. My name is Regina Barbara DeGraff, and my co-host Jordan Baker couldn't be with us today. I'm very pleased to welcome Jean Yang, who's an author, a computer scientist, an educator, and a cartoonist. Well, thank you for having me, Regina. (laughs) Well, thank you for coming. Um, This past January, the Library of Congress um, nominated you for the fifth, um, I'm going to get this right, the fifth National Ambassador for Young People's Literature. And it's a two-year appointment, right? Yes. And we're going to come back to like what that means. Okay. Um, but it's it's a big deal, though. It was a crazy thing. Yeah. I got to fly out to Washington D.C. with my wife. Yeah. Super fancy. All these fancy people in a room. They gave me a fancy medal. It was amazing. And did like Obama pick you, President no, Obama, or was it? I was disappointed. Right. I was disappointed You're like, when where I found is that he? Out. But it was almost as good. It was right. the it was the librarian of Congress. Right. So at the time, it was uh, a guy named David Mao, and then there was a, a crew of folks from uh, the Children's Book. Council. The previous uh, national ambassador was also on that. Okay. So awesome. they know President Obama. So by yeah, one somebody degree. There, somebody there has had a meal with President Obama. Right. right. So um, you're also the current writer for, for Superman on DC Comics, yes. which is amazing. And like, I'm geeking out right now. And um, your first ever, um, where you were the writer on, the, on uh, issue 41, which I have here. Wow. Well, thank you yeah. for having it. No, well, um, Comics Place here in Bellingham, they just gave it to me because they're super nice. Because oh, they didn't cool. have any of your other books, and I was kind okay. of sad. So they gave me this. Um, so we're going to come back to being a writer for Superman. But like I said before, you kind of um, know a lot of, well, I shouldn't say a lot about science. That Maybe that's uh, insulting. No, <laughs> <laughs> I don't you, know that much about you, science. But, but for, I was for, like a B, B minus student when I was going so, through college. So was I. Now mm. PhD. That's what happened. That's awesome. <laughs> but... Um, you know something about STEM, and you want to promote STEM in your new position, yes. right? Okay. Yes, that's part, of, that's part of the platform. Right. And we're going to come sure. back. I, I really like your saying that every ambassador has had this pot- platform, and that's part of yours this, this, yes. for this next two years. So we're going to come back to that. But before we do that, we always talk about on our podcast and now on our, our show here, we talk about background. And we okay. talk about, like, the first thing we want to talk about is, like, how did you get into to STEM because I know that you did major in computer um, science, right? Uh-huh. Or was it computer engineering? It was, it was computer, I think it was, you know, I don't remember the exact title. It's <laughs> all right. I think it was computer engineering. It, it changes up. I mean, yeah. yeah. Okay, so you did ma- um, major in some sort of STEM. And I'm, I keep on saying STEM, so for our listeners and for our watchers, STEM is science, technology, engineering, and math. That's right. Right. So it's a words, um, you know, us in the business use. Um, but I do also want to talk about your first, your first two, or your, let's talk about your first one, your first graphic novel. And it really does talk about the Asian American experience. So I want to talk about these two things. So, sure. so whatever you'd like to start with. We want okay. to talk about computer science and your like, you know, spark, how you got into that, or 
maybe talk about this. Well, I, I actually got into computer science and comics when I was in fifth grade. Oh, fifth wow. grade was a big year for me, you know, looking back. <laughs> it was an eventful year. It absolutely was. It absolutely was. So in, in fifth grade, uh, my mom bought me my first comic book. Okay. When I was a kid at local comic, actually at local bookstores, they had these things called spinner racks. Do you remember that? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I don't think anyone under the age of 30 remembers that. Right. But I there am these over wire 30. Frame, there are these wireframe uh, racks that would carry a month's worth of comics, right. and then you could spin them so that you could see them all. Yeah. Uh, and, and one night, my mom took me to our local bookstore. I saw this issue of uh, Marvel 2-in-1, okay. starring, it was starring The Thing and Rom the Space Knight. So as soon as I saw it, yeah. I just knew I needed to own it. Right. Uh, and, and I brought it up to my mom. I said, Mom, will you please buy this for me? She refused to buy it for me because she thought the thing looked way too scary. Yeah. Instead, she bought me the You're latest. You're afraid, though. I know. I, I, I have to be honest, though. Like, if I look back, I was kind of a wimp, well, especially no. when it came to monsters. So no. she had a point. Right. She definitely had a point. She made me. She knew you. She made me put that back, and she bought me the latest Superman comic. Okay. Which was like a, it was like a DC Comics Presents, I don't know, I think it was in the 50s. Okay. It had it had Superman and the Atomic Knights in it. So that okay. was the very first comic I, I bought. I like and, how she's uh, like, Marvel, no, here's DC. Yeah, it's because of Superman. <laughs> right, right? Like, right. she wouldn't have bought me Batman either. It's just because oh, Superman is such a boy scout. He is. Yeah. He is. But he, he does have depth, and we're going to get back he to does. that when you, because you're the writer now. I so agree. You know. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Actually, you know, when I was in fifth grade, I was not a big Superman fan. Yeah. And and I know this is going to make me mad, but uh, <laughs> I was I was definitely more of a Marvel fan oh, than, no. I, than a DC fan. Oh, no. I, I totally agree. I grew up here. You grew up in California, right? I did. Um, I grew up here in Washington State, but I would spend my summers in California, and my California relatives would have, like, better TV. Um, and we, <laughs> better we, TV? How does that even work? Um, there were, like, three stations, and they were all over, weren't um, they? In Linden, MTV was banned. Oh, So wow. I grew up in Linden, north of here. Um, it's a very small town. Okay. Um, but they... I, I loved um, X-Men, the 90s animated, yeah. that's, I mean, I wasn't a big reader in general. Sadly. So you, so you, when you were a kid, you were a, a Marvel. I was a Marvel, a Marvel but kid. both, both, okay. both. But okay. I mean, I liked, I liked X-Men for, this is going to sound really crazy, but they had Jubilee. It was the, the yeah. one like Asian American I could see was yeah. Jubilee. And yeah. uh, so I loved X-Men, that animated series. But Yeah, X-Men has always been like this... Uh, Really diverse. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's been a center of diversity. It has it been. Because really they it's have like a million amazing. characters, so it's yeah. easy to just like insert them. That's true. But they had big roles, though. I mean, Jubilee had a big mm -hmm. role. Storm had a huge role. Yeah, Storm, right? Storm was the leader for a while. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Oh, Superman. Oh, So, you, you, so fifth you're reading, grade, fifth grade, started buying comics. Yeah. I also started making comics. I had this friend named Jeremy Kiyoshi when I was in fifth grade, okay. and we started making comics together. So we brainstormed stories. I do. We we like we lost touch, <laughs> and then we reconnected through the magic of Facebook. Okay. The so magic uh, of Facebook. so we just hung out. He lives in Hawaii. Okay. Uh, a couple years ago, we went out and hung out with him. It was fun. Oh no, you have to go to Hawaii. Super sad. I, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> sad to go to Hawaii. Right. 
<laughs> so, so you're friends with um, his name one more time. Jeremy. Okay, Jeremy, and and you both like love comics. We both loved comics. Yeah. I was I was a new comic book reader. He'd been reading for a really long time. Um, in fifth grade. In fifth grade, he, he was started, like when I was like, two. Was, exactly. <laughs> like when he learned how to read, that was the first thing he did. Was he started wow. buying comics. His mom was. Um, Cool. Super, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Okay. <laughs> yeah, my parents were not so cool with me. Right, comics. Me it yeah. took me a long time to, to, to get them to turn around. Right. Uh, right. So that, that's how I got into comics, fifth right. grade. But I, I do want to admit a lot of physics professors really love drawing because in every physics class you have to set up the problem and you draw yeah. like things sliding down ramps. You draw, you know, today I was drawing a ballistic pendulum, you know, and awesome. so my students do know that I like drawing because I bring in colored pencil pens and like everything's color coded and like, yeah. so I mean I draw every day honestly in lecture, okay. but um, it's not like, it's not this quality. <laughs> I'll tell I you feel that. I like much. you're selling yourself short. Uh, I, I feel like maybe you should take some pictures of what you're drawing on the board and, and make it into a book. In grad school, there was actually a grad school newsletter, and I actually drew two comics for the newsletter, and it was like science, oh my gosh. science like, jokes. Like, why did you quit then? I, <laughs> so this is turning into uh, like Regina's art therapy. Oh God, no! Like you actually, you actually ran like a a, a, a strip. You, only you only two times. Okay, okay. Uh, only two times. Two two strips, and they were they were two sciencey jokes, and um, it has like science kids talking, and one's about some horrible joke about a. a inside the cockpit and I actually had to look up a picture of a cockpit online and I was like drawing a cartoonish cockpit I can't talk okay. um, of a plane and then I wondered that maybe the FBI is gonna like look me up because I'm looking at these pictures uh -oh. so yeah no it was it was actually fun but so I that, that can go multiple ways trying yeah. to make a joke about a cockpit right? yeah no it was it was um, it was an old joke okay. about um, it was an integral joke I see like um, it was poles on an uh, on an infinite plane so All right. It's, so I feel like I need to know more. I, I will. I will tell that. I will. <laughs> I will tweet that joke or post it on Facebook. I'll find the comic if you want, and I'll send it to you. I you would love see. to see it. Would you really? I absolutely would. Yes. I do like your your thing about logo. This this idea of this little thing that was like a turtle mm -hmm. was that the origin of your no. love for turtles? No. I, turtles just keep showing up, but they're <laughs> they, totally unrelated. That's weird, though. Yeah, it's a little weird. It's a little yeah. weird that it keeps coming back. The the whole turtle thing actually. Um, so just to reference for our viewers and our listeners, what I'm referencing is uh, the Shadow Hero, which is this wonderful book. This is the first thing I read a oh, couple cool. days ago. Thank and you. I was just like, this is amazing. And it's um, the first Asian American superhero called The Green Turtle. And it was just a great story. Thank you. Thank yeah, you. no. Uh, well, I The Green Turtle is not my invention, right? Right. So he's a, he's it's, a but this old is your reinterpretation. Character. Yeah, yeah. It's Sunny and I yeah. bringing back this old character that nobody remembers. Yeah, I, I, for yeah. Sure. Well, well yeah. So, so do you want to tell us maybe we can go back to this idea of how you kind of maybe growing up and we can come back to the the green turtle and this this book because i really like this story and i could identify with definitely both of these stories well, so so maybe let's just start with the green turtle um so you said that this is this is a comic or derived from a comic from the 1940s yes. right you can tell us a little bit about sure that. sure uh in the 1940s there's this cartoonist his name was chu hing one of the first asian americans to work in the American comic book industry. Right. And the 1940s, like we call that the golden age of comics right. because that was when uh, comic books, especially superhero comics, right. first became like this mass medium, right? right? And people were getting crazy rich off of it. Like right. there, was, uh, there was Superman debuted around that time, Batman debuted around that time. There were these international sensations. 
Uh, there was also like uh, Captain Marvel, Shazam was also right. around that time. Yeah. And, and it's hard to believe now, but back then he was actually on the same level as Superman. You know, right. he was well, if, just as popular. If you watch Batman Brave and the Bold now, which is uh -huh. a new animated series, he's in that. Yeah, yeah. and he's, he's also he's in Young in Justice, that. is he? I don't remember, but yeah. yeah. I yeah, think he's people, cool. I, I love him. I think he's I think he's like he's like a total fantasy character. In any yeah. case, go, golden age of of uh, American superhero comics, and and all these publishers were just popping up and throwing characters out of the public. Yeah. Because people wanted to find the next Batman or right. Superman. So this right. was the environment that it was in, right? And right. and Chu Hing, this Chinese American. Uh, Cartoonist was working for this really small company called Rural Home that only lasted a couple of years. Right. Rural Home asked him to create a, a character, like a superhero character. So yeah. he does. He creates the Green Turtle. The rumor about the Green Turtle is that Chu wanted him to be a Chinese American like right. he himself was. I love that story in the but back. But his, your... his publishers wouldn't let him do it. Right. It's 1944. Yeah. Yeah. They just didn't think it would sell. Well, you know? they're having problems now, right, with making yeah, Superman Afro-Latino, yeah. you know, yeah. and... Anyway, continue. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So it's 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 kind of weird, right? We're like we're like almost a, a decade, like seventy like a, years a, like, later, yeah, and it's, and still, it's still a problem. It's kind of crazy. Yeah. And anyways, <laughs> in any case, so yeah. so his publishers wouldn't let him do it. Chu reacts in this really passive-aggressive way. Yeah, I love it. So I want to show this picture he is to everyone. Yeah, a cartoonist, and that's yeah, what we do. Yeah, so here's a picture, and you you say that they, he never draws. Here's the green turtle right here. He never draws the green green turtle face on. Like you can never see his face really. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy. So so people can still believe maybe that he's Asian. Exactly. I so love it. that that's the theory. Yeah. That's the theory. Because when yeah. you look at the pages, you just don't see superhero comics drawn like that, right? right. Where you only see the character's back. Or right. if he's turned towards you, like something's covering his face. Right. You know, and, and not and just the mask, but like yeah, a shadow yeah, like a shadow yeah. or like his arm. Like he'll be punching, and his arm will be in the way. <laughs> and and the rumor is that he did it because he wanted to be able to imagine his character as he intended as an Asian American. Right. We don't know if that's true. Like the Green Turtle only lasts five issues. Right. Uh, he's the lead feature in Blazing Comics. Okay. Which you can get for super cheap at at comic book conventions. I got right. all five issues. All five issues. Yeah, and they were all under like. 50 bucks. It was crazy. For comics that old, it's kind of it, crazy. Yeah, that is crazy. Yeah. So we, we have to take a break, but when we come back, I want to talk about the the reimagining of the story and kind of like how the parents are portrayed and also kind of the linking between not being a perfect Asian American, which is definitely a theme here. And I, I just absolutely love it because <laughs> okay, I'm not awesome. a perfect Asian American. <laughs> All right, we'll take a break. Oh, mom and dad. Hi, I'm not home right now, but if you want to leave a message, just start talking at the sound of the tone. here with uh, Jean Luen Yang and we're talking about comics and science and technology and I am super excited to have you here. We broke and we wanted to, uh, we started talking about this uh, Asian American identity and how that's really explored in these two 
um, graphic novels that you put together. Um, I want to talk about the first one, um, American Born Chinese. It's award-winning. I know because of the sticker, <laughs> the sticker right here. And I consumed this in like an hour the other day. It took me five years to make, but that's cool. <laughs> if you want to read it in an hour, that's cool. Oh, God. Um, and I love this story. I mean, just to give you some background, my mom's from Taiwan. Okay. Um, she came in her like late 20s. And my dad is Mexican-American. And I grew up in a town, like I've mentioned, Linden, which is not culturally diverse, um, even compared to like this Bellingham. So were you the most diverse I was, thing in the town? We were the only Chinese-American family, okay. and I'm not even full Chinese. Okay. So, um, and, uh, and I could totally identify with this book. Like, it was crazy. And um, how this character, you know, has this, you know, kid who comes and who has an accent, he's from Taiwan, you know, and he wants to be friends. Here, here's this one right here. He comes in and he's just, his initial instinct is just not be friends with this kid from Taiwan. And I like, I could totally identify with that, right? Cause I don't even speak Chinese, right? And everyone assume I did. And I would just be like, I need to distance myself from anything mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. So where did this all come from? Is this personal or is this just like friends of yours? Or? It's, th that's definitely a personal book. It's fiction, okay. but I, okay. I pulled heavily from my own life right. to, to, to make that book. Yeah. When I was in, I think when I was in fourth grade, uh, this kid came from Taiwan to our school and he was a third grader. Yeah. And our teachers were so insistent on us being friends. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and I, I just, that. I just remember, I didn't, I didn't even have like a logical thought behind it. I just remember being like repulsed. Exactly from the it. from the depths of my heart. I really just wanted to get away from this kid. Mm -hmm. You know, he'd follow me around. Uh, he he didn't speak English very well, so he's following me around, speaking in Mandarin. Yeah. And do you know Mandarin? Did I do, okay. I do, but I wouldn't speak it. Yeah, right? I, I definitely yeah. wouldn't speak it at, at school. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then finally, uh, you know, my best friend and I, uh, we ended up like throwing tan bark at him to. to get them away from it. It's part of growing up, right? Yeah. Especially if, if you grew up in a situation where you were a part of a minority. Right. Or you were the minority. Or you're the you, minority. You, just, you right? just go through, and, and I don't even think you would be able to articulate the self-hate when you're actually feeling it. Right. It's just you, right. you, you know that you're not part of the group. You right. know that you're different. And then yeah. you have to, at some point, um, become comfortable with that. You have to accept that. Which is the end of this book. Yeah, I guess so. I don't I mean, know spoilers, <laughs> but but that's basically. The I, end I of feel this like book. that, like yeah. making that book was part of my catharsis. It was part of my process of accepting. Right. And how old are you when you? I mean, if I can ask. I like finished. I finished that book when I was in my early thirties. Right. That's a long time. So I, I think I think I came to that conclusion in my like late twenties, early thirties yeah. too. <laughs> but I I want to go back to maybe science and how like so when you're when you're in college and you're like. Were you still a graph? Oh, sorry, a computer scientist when you were writing this? Yeah, you know. So, um, so right after I graduated from college, I um, took a job as a computer programmer for okay. a couple of years, and then I left that job and I became a high school teacher. I taught computer okay. science, so I taught AP computer science, I taught introductory computer science, okay. and did that for a really long time. So I was, when I was working on that book, I was actually teaching computer science. So, so why did why did you leave like the industry to become a teacher? Because I was a teacher at a private school for a year. What would you think? And I did not like it. Really? Why not? Um, I love the students, and they still watch my show and like okay. listen to my show. So they were. It, it was just. I'd never been to a private school in my life. Um, oh, I'm okay, a. I'm okay. a poor kid. I've been to state okay. schools all throughout. Everything. So it felt weird. Um, and there was no detention. Like kids could act up, and there was oh, no ramifications. All right. 
That it was. It's not like that. Okay. Our school. Okay. Yeah, I gave detentions. Yeah, I couldn't. Yeah. I couldn't do anything. Yeah, I but used to make my my students um, copy out of this computer science textbook from the 1950s about a language that like this dead computer language. That's I don't awesome. know what it was. Fortran. It was awesome. I'm just joking. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so so like so when you're teaching computer science and you're thinking about like I think where we grew up and stuff, I think a theme with computer science and also with your your graphic novels is this idea of the model minority, mm -hmm. you know, and this idea that, you know, ch Chinese or Asians, you know, really North Asians are really, really good at science and we're really smart and we're perfect and we're like, you know, we never get into trouble. And like, did that, did you see that at all when you were teaching or when you were going through school or when you were writing these books? I mean, I, as, a, as a student, I definitely felt that pressure. Yeah. And, and I think the, the whole my, model minority, um, that, that whole myth of the model minority yeah. really comes out of immigration patterns, right? Like yeah. my parents came over in the 70s, around that time. Uh, if you were really good, if you were living in Asia and you were really good at math or science, you were encouraged to come to the United States. Right. So of course, if you get like all the kids that are, yeah. that are good right? students in that it's one particular area, you bias. bring it over. It totally is a selection bias. Yeah. It yeah. totally is, right? Yeah. And, and out of that came this, this, this model minority thing. Right. I, I just don't, I don't think that existed. If you, if you go back to like the 40s or 30s. Like the gold rush at, too. Yeah, and you look yeah. at, you look at the, the, the Chinese communities that, that were, um, you know, in San Francisco at the time. I don't think those same stereotypes existed for right. those communities. Do you know who Ronald Takaki is? He was a no. uh, professor, an Asian American studies professor at UC Berkeley. Okay. So I was privileged enough, privileged enough to sit in on one of his lectures. Mm -hmm. He's the one that really examines this model minority yeah. you know thing and, and he talks about and when how when did it start like yeah when did it start and who's it for like a model for who you right. know and and his, right. what he what he argues is that really asian americans in a lot of ways are being used um, by american society almost against other minority groups it is it's like a divide and conquer thing i mean it kind of is yeah like i said i'm being part of two minorities, you know, Hispanic and Asian, you kind of see this dynamic happen and yeah. you see um, a lot of stuff in, in STEM, we're trying to get more underrepresented minorities, but Asians don't in, aren't included in that. But what, I, what we were talking about in the break is that I really, really love how your character isn't perfect. Like, like we said, we had this self-hate, we did these terrible things, right? Uh -huh. and, and the same with the shadow hero, Her, his uh, mother is, is not perfect, but she's still lovable. You know, and I want to live in a world where we can be people of color and not be perfect, right? Yeah. It's really hard. Or, in media. or, or I, I think it's more just to be three-dimensional. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I think when I was growing up, at least, it was very difficult to find three-dimensional characters, three-dimensional Asian American characters right. in any of the stories that I read or any of the stories that I watched right. on television. Right. GI Joe might have been the one exception. There are a couple of right. G.I. Joe characters, both on the good guy side and the bad guy right. side, who were three-dimensional. And the reason yeah. why was because most of those episodes were written by this Japanese-American writer. So he was very right. cognizant of this, this guy named wow. Mayuhama. Cool. Yeah, you should check him out. He's awesome. I should, I should know more. Hello? Is anybody home? Well, you don't know me. But I know you And I'm gonna mess To give to you
ready, ready to go. I think there are more three-dimensional characters. We were talking about Marvel and X-Men. Mm -hmm. um, the the whole the uh, the early '90s animated X-Men series was just very, I mean, soap opera-ish, you yeah. know. And everyone was very three-dimensional, and I, I think that that was, you know, that was very beneficial. <laughs> I don't yeah, know. Yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think it was a need that I wasn't even aware of when I was growing up. Yeah. You know, so so when I started actually encountering. Um, these characters who look like me mm -hmm. and actually also acted like me, you know, like like right. Jubilee, on, like Jubilee, on yeah, amazing character, or like Harley Quinn from DC Comics. And I wanted to get isn't, into isn't Harley Quinn blonde though? She is, but uh, <laughs> when you put the costume on, nobody knows what that's ethnicity true. Are, you I, are. I actually actually think that um, you I know, used to cosplay as Harley. So yeah, that, yeah. that's a, that's such an important part of the appeal of of superheroes, right? right. When you look at Spider Man, anybody can be under that mask. Exactly. Yeah. I, and I, I love that. I think, but we were talking about complex characters in the DC universe, so we can get to your Superman writing. Uh -huh. I think Superman is more complex than people give him credit for. And Harley, we were talking about like Batman villains. There's a lot of villains in the Batman universe that are very, they're straddling, right? I mean, Catwoman yeah. is very much yeah. not good, but not all bad. Yeah. And, and it's great to actually have these complex characters. So tell me more about Superman and how you write him and how is he different from like the movies and like the old trope? Superman is. I, I was not a fan of Superman when I was growing up. Yeah, for like, sure. Yeah. I just thought he was a boring character. Me too. Right. I've had I've had like weak arguments about this with my husband. He's he, a Superman he's a fan. Superman guy. He's like Superman. Is I mean, like, I am now. Yeah, he's like <laughs> he's loyal. Batman sleeps around. <laughs> That's my yeah, husband. Yeah. And he's like Batman's rich. Superman actually has to work and went to college. And he's like yeah. going through all these things. Yeah, there, I mean. You know, the, the, I think the, the biggest part of Superman's appeal is that he is the first superhero. He was right. a character who was popular enough and powerful enough to establish an entire genre of story, right? right. So every other character out there, including Batman, every other superhero character out there, is in some sense a riff off of Superman. Right. You know, the whole secret identity, the, the, the fact that you, grow, you, you, uh, you dress up in order to fight crime, all right. that was established by Superman. Well, or Zorro, if you really actually Yeah, I guess so, I guess so. <laughs> I guess Zorro. Because yeah. Batman, the creator, was a big Zorro fan. Yeah, like, he was. First Mexican-American superhero. But go ahead. <laughs> Just I have okay. to represent the other now, side. Now, uh, <laughs> now Superman, I, I think, um, I think uh, the, the superhero genre has a lot of overlap with the immigrant experience. You know, yeah, uh, the, definitely. The creators of Superman and Batman, too. Yeah. And, and pretty much every other superhero he, out he's there. He's an international immigrant. Yeah. It, I mean, they were, they were children of immigrants. They were yeah. these, these children of these poor Jewish immigrants from right. Europe. Right, uh, and, uh, and I think they really embedded a lot of their experience into this character. They so did. this whole idea of having to negotiate two different identities and two different names, two different sets of expectations, mm -hmm. that's just something that the, the kids of immigrants have to deal with on a daily basis. Right. right. So when I grew up, I had one name at home and another one at school, right. spoke one language at home and another one at school, right. had two different sets of expectations. Um, and, and unconsciously or not, I think that's um, part of the reason why I was drawn to superheroes as a kid, right. is that I saw that same dual identity play out in these in these comics, right? You know? Well, in that that it, they were saying that these dual identities are okay and even necessary. Yeah, like yeah. I was like, oh, it's okay. For the world, yeah, right? yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I I loved that, but I I also loved. I was reading more about Superman's history, and he was a big social justice guy. Like he was, yeah. he was really big on like helping the downtrodden and 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 just 
um, you know, helping the poor. And yeah. he, like, hated rich people. That's why he hates <laughs> Batman. I mean, people don't understand this. Like, Batman versus Superman, he doesn't like Batman because he's rich. Like, yeah. people don't understand that. Yeah. Unearned wealth. Right. Batman That's what he hates wealth. it. Yeah. 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 Superman, he's old enough that he's actually gone through multiple eras, right? Right. With, with multiple moral codes, multiple right. uh, motivations. Mm -hmm. And I think I grew up with Superman as everybody's favorite uncle. But he wasn't always like that. You know, no. to prepare for the, the Superman gig, I actually read Superman comics from the 30s and 40s. Yeah, he's and back intense. then he was... Yeah, he was, he he was like, kind of a jerk, too. He collapsed you know? a mine on people. Yeah. I mean, how awesome is that? Yeah, he, like, he found out um, a city commissioner was, was uh, running an illegal uh, gambling hall. And he said, you need to close it down or I'm going to kill you. He actually said that. I, I will end your life unless you, cl wow. you, you, you close this down. I w yeah, I was doing research. And I'm like, he's like you said, he kind of sounds like Batman a little bit in the, yeah. be in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, so. and, and I, I think the same thing that happened to Mickey Mouse happened to Superman, right? So Mickey Mouse in the beginning he was just hard, was kind of a <laughs> kind of a jerk as well, you know. Kind of was, yeah. Yeah, and yeah. and then he becomes itchy the and corporate scratchy. symbol. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He was itchy and scratchy. Yeah, and then he becomes the the, Simpsons, the, the symbol of this of this huge corporation, and he can't do that kind of stuff right. anymore. I think the same thing happened with Superman. Superman becomes right. the face of DC Comics, right. and he can't do that anymore. Right. Whereas Batman is more like Donald Duck. Donald Duck can still be a jerk, <laughs> yes. right? Because he's just he's just he's misunderstood. Second. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really Donald Duck is. is my favorite. He is he was yeah. my favorite too yeah. when I was a kid. He's the best. And I was like, he, you know, we all get angry. I would I'd exactly. say that like those people annoy me too. I would be as frustrated <laughs> as him. You can come as you are. Pay as you go. Pay as you go. writing Superman then? How is your, the way you write him, like similar to the old ones or maybe more like the uncle? Like how are you writing him? Well, um, first I, I'm working as part of a team. Okay. So Superman is popular enough now that he's in four different books. So okay. there's Superman, which I write. There's Action Comics. This, this is this Superman right here. Yeah, that's the one I write. First and then one. there's Action Comics, there's uh, Superman, Wonder Woman, and Batman, Superman. Okay. So we all have to kind of coordinate. I'll tell you what draws me to the character, though, is yeah. those immigrant roots. Yeah. You know? and, um, and, uh, and, and this idea of the dual identity. What we wanted to do, so something that, that kids of immigrants have to do as they get older is they, they have to take these two different identities that they lived in all, for all their childhoods and they have to kind of collapse them into one. Yeah. Right? yeah. Uh, and, and that's what we force Superman to, to do as well. In the first storyline, um, this, uh, this villain, this new villain who's kind of like, an evil version of Facebook, and we can debate. Yes, yeah. We can debate whether you need an evil version of Facebook. Or I was not. wondering who was on his phone. Some, somebody's, <laughs> somebody's talking to Superman. I'm like, I don't know who That's this person right. is. That's right. So he's like an evil version of Facebook. He he leads to Superman's secret identity being exposed. So he right. has to. He's forced to integrate. Wow. He's forced to integrate these two identities. So th this Superman that you're writing, everyone knows he's Clark Kent. Everyone knows he's Clark Kent. Wow. By issue number 44, everyone knows. Wow, and you're 41, so this is like three three issues in. Three boom. issues in, and he gets wow. revealed. I gotta yeah. actually read the rest. I got yeah. this and one then, for free. And then so. after he gets revealed, this this took a little little uh, arguing on my part, but uh, we bring him to Oakland, California. Oh yes, because <laughs> that's, that's awesome. what you do, right? Right. When things go bad, you go to Oakland. You go to. I hear Oakland's getting really nice though. Oakland is getting really nice. It's gentrifying. Nice. Yeah, that's yeah. What I hear. Yeah. We're gonna take a break, and when we come back, I want to talk about your new appointment. 
how we're going to integrate all the stuff, this cool stuff we've been talking about, and actually get people interested in STEM. And a voice said, This is the hand. So let's go back to, to the comics. We were talking about Superman. Real quick before we talk about science, I want to talk about Dean Cain. The Superman series, when I was a kid, he was like, I knew he was part Asian, and yeah. I was like, oh my gosh. Wait, how did you know? Did you know from reading, or did you know from looking at him? Uh, both. Okay. I was like, this guy, he could be part Asian. I mean, being a part Asian, you like yeah. can kind of... You can kind of tell. You, you can kind of tell, okay. right? And then I, I was like, he looks kind of Asian. He looks kind of Keanu. I'm going to look uh -huh. him up. And I was super excited. That's I don't know, great. how did you feel about the Superman like um, live action Dean Cain version? The, in the, 90s? the Lois and Clark? The Lois, yeah, Lois and Clark. Yeah, I thought it was awesome. I, yeah. I mean, I, I think that show was really hard to pull off and they totally did it. Yeah. To, to make like almost like a romantic comedy and, and to actually have the spotlight shared between Lois Lane and, and Clark Kent was, yeah. was pretty, that was a feat. And well, they did it. And I think it was awesome that they kind of stuck with the part Asian theme with uh, uh, Smallville. With, uh, yeah, with yeah, Lo yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Lana. Lana, right? <laughs> That's right. Um, but anyway, I wanted to bring that up because Dean Cain, it was huge for me. I mm. still love Dean Cain. Like, for, for, to be a kid and have somebody else who's like mixed, who was being treated like just a person, yeah. was really big for me at the time. But um, I want to bring it to scientists in comics. So we had this big event here at Western where we talked about science and pop culture and who's being portrayed as the scientists in pop culture. Mm -hmm. And I dressed up as Dr. Light, and we had this big Which event. Which is awesome. Yeah, thank you. Which is perfect. Right, because I, I um, used to dress up like Harley, but it just became too popular, so I Googled, okay. I Googled like Asian astrophysics, and then she came up. Yep. <laughs> I think she would be the only one to come up, right? Yeah, there, she was the Did only. anyone else come up? No. Okay. No. In, in, in comics, no. Okay. And I was like, that's just me. I can just slightly be me and yeah. be a comic book. Um, be a superhero but I wanted to say like there are a lot of science in comics I mean like that's how people get superhero uh, yeah superpowers. yeah I mean I mean they're sometimes called science heroes superheroes are called science heroes right really? because there is this science fiction element to a lot of origin stories mm -hmm. I mean not Batman but, but pretty he, much everybody but else he, he I mean I would say that he's kind of he's I guess technology. so he's an engineer yeah, he's, yeah, an engineer. yeah, yeah. he's an engineer yeah right? You're, right. Um, you're right so Batman's an engineer um, or at least he hires engineers. He's like a Steve Jobs. He hires the he right. hires Lucius Fox. Right, but it, it depends on who. And yells at him yeah. to, to make awesome technology. If you look at the animated series, he's doing a lot of that engineering. Yeah, himself, that's true. Right, that's true. But he does hire Lucius Fox, another person of color in science. That's right. Um, but uh, Superman is a journalist. Um, Batman's a, the greatest detective. Mm -hmm. These are people that ask questions, which is basically what scientists do. Yeah. Right? And um, everybody on The Flash is a scientist. I know. That, that show is amazing. That's, the, that's the one TV show that our whole family follows. Me really? Me and my wife and my kids. Yeah, okay. How old are your kids? It's great. So we have four. Oh, my gosh. I know. I know. <laughs> I just have the one. <laughs> we, we have a 12-year-old, an 8-year-old, a 6-year-old, and a 3-year-old. Oh, wow. Yeah. The, the oldest is a boy. The rest are girls. Okay. But, but they all the love Flash. Show. Yeah. Flash is great. Well, but, Flash I is mean, great. they have, I mean, and Arrow, they have such wonderful, like, female um, like role models. I mean, Felicity mm -hmm. on Arrow is a computer scientist. Um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kate? 
Yeah, Caitlin Snow. Caitlin, yeah, she and have she's. You, have you looked her up in the in the DC Wikipedia? I'm scared. I have friends that tell me like, don't look them up. They're gonna be evil. But yeah. Maybe that's on the other planet. Maybe, maybe planet they Earth are different. Too. They are different realities. For yeah. sure, for sure. But, but I, yeah. I, I definitely think that's a, that's something that's been changing. Yeah. I, I don't think it was like that. Like if you look at the early days of comics, yeah. there just weren't that many um, scientists who weren't heterosexual white guys, right? They're right. All, yeah. It right. Was, that that was just the way things were. Right. So so seeing characters like Caitlin Snow, who I don't think is a scientist in the comic, I could be wrong about that. Which is awesome is. that they made one for yeah. for the visual medium. Yeah, is is great. Yeah. I think it's wonderful. So yeah, and then there's Cisco, who is a Hispanic engineer, uh-huh. and who I love. I think he's great. Um, and then Barry, Barry, um, Barry Allen, who is the Flash, but he is a forensic scientist yeah. on the show. So I mean, but that's also something that that was actually true in the comic. Right. Too. Exactly. Was, so yeah. I mean, I, I just love that. And Dr. Light, who's mm-hmm. an astrophysicist, a really grumpy um, Asian <laughs> woman, which is totally apt. That's why yeah. I picked her. This is the hand. The hand that takes. Here come the plane. Is there American planes made in America? So you have this science. Is that the what you want to kind of project and kind of promote with your new position? So let's talk about your like sure. your goals. I have them written down here, so yeah. I'll check if so you're, as, you're right. So as national ambassador, every <laughs> national ambassador comes up with a platform, which is just something that they want to talk about during their term. Yeah. For me, uh, it's reading without walls. And that's just a fancy way of saying I want to get kids to explore the world through reading. I, I think uh, exploration is such an important part of growing up, and books are such a great way of exploring the world. So I'm encouraging kids to do three things to explore the world. Number yep. one is um, to read books about people who are different from them, so yeah. people who look different from them or, or live differently from them. Second is to read books about topics that they might find intimidating. And my pet project here is STEM books, books right. about science, technology, engineering, and math. Right. And then finally, it's to uh, read books in different formats. Uh, when I was a kid, I had this friend who was a huge science fiction geek, and he totally looked, his, lo- looked down his nose at comics, right? He just would yeah. never touch a graphic novel in his life. Yeah. So to a kid like that, I would want him to try a graphic novel. Right. But now I meet kids that are the exact opposite, right. that only read graphic novels. And to those kids, I really want them to, to explore some prose or some you know, books in verse or something. Right. Well, I, I think, I mean, there's even ways that you can even trick them. This is, sounds weird, but you can even trick them. I, I think, like, for instance, I am a giant Avatar The Last Airbender fan. I mean, like, when it came out, I was in grad school, and I love this comic, and it's very mystical, and there's a lot of magic in it. Yeah. But there's, like, hidden inside the story, and you're actually the writer for the comic, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Which I think you're, like, the coolest now. Um <laughs> Hidden in there is Sokka, this character right here. I don't know if you can see that. Um, he doesn't have any powers. He doesn't have any bending. Uh-huh. He doesn't have any magic. And he's an engineer. He is. He totally is. He draws designs <laughs> he draws of design, machines. Right? And he gets them made. Right. Yeah, he's right. awesome. And, and, um, and he talks about science a he lot does. in the series. He talks about science a lot. Yeah. And yeah. I, I feel like there, there are ways you can just kind of, I don't know. I don't want to I mean, say I, trick, yeah. but insert yeah, I mean, I these think, things. I think there's, there's something about, like the stories we tell uh, color certain professions, right? And, right? and I think that one of the things that we're seeing now is that 
scientists and, and nerds and, and people and like yeah. geeks are yeah. kind of emerging as a cool class. We are cool. And the reason why that's happening in part is because they're showing up as heroes in the stories that, that right. we read. But you also do this um, comic called Secret Coders. Can mm -hmm. you tell us about that? Secret Coders is a, is a series of graphic, it's a graphic novel series. Mm -hmm. There'll be six books in all. And I'm super excited about this book. Yeah, I went to your uh, website. It's, so it's graphic, sorry, secret-coders.com. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a book that I've thought about for a really long time. It's a book that teaches kids um, the fundamentals of computer science. Yeah. Through logo, through that language that we talked about earlier. Awesome. You just uh, dug it up from the grave and like yeah, resurrected yeah. it. Well, well, there's a reason why I wanted to do logo. Okay. And it's because I wanted to draw the parallel between coding and magic. So okay. in magic, like in Harry Potter, usually you know you speak these words that sound like they're out of some dead language, and then something magic happens, something amazing happens. It's called right? Latin. And, and I think I think code. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's called Latin. And I think coding is the same way. Yeah, you know, yeah. you speak these, these words that seem kind of weird, yeah. and then something amazing happens, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. So I wanted, I wanted that parallel, and I thought the way, a way, one way to draw that parallel was to use a, a language that's kind of dead, that's on the dead side. Right, and like kind logo. of mystical. And a little bit mystical, yeah, oh, yeah. I love it. And, and these kids in this, in this new series go to a school, and they're, they're solving mysteries. Yeah, I, so it is kind of mystical and magic. Yeah, well, I, I only handle the writing. The, the drawing is handled by this guy named Mike Holmes, who's okay. amazingly talented. He used to work on the Adventure Time comic before okay, he started working yes. with me. Which is very popular here on campus. And, and what we're doing uh, in the book is I want to structure every chapter to kind of be like one of my lessons. You okay. know, the, the, I started thinking about this book when I was teaching computer science. And I used to teach in this really visual way. I ended up drawing a lot on the board. Mm -hmm. And I always thought, man, a lot of these lessons would really work well as comics. Mm -hmm. So each of these chapters, it starts off with a little bit of review of an old concept. Then I introduce something new. Oh, and then I give them an exercise to solve on their own. So that's how I ran my lectures, right? I would do a little bit of review. I'd introduce a new concept. Right. I'd end the lecture with something that they would work on on their own to see if they understood the concept. So do you still teach a little bit, or is, are you kind of teaching through this comic right now? Well, I, right now, for STEM, at least, I, I'm only teaching through the comic. I love this. I love this. So um, I really hope this takes off. I'm actually going to read this with my daughter, because I would love for her to understand this. That'd and I would actually love to learn how to code. So what's then next for this ambassadorship? What's the, so this, it just started. So what's your plan like after the ambassadorship? What do you want to do? Do you want to still do STEM stuff, or are you going to kind of go off into? Well, I have, uh, so we, we just finished uh, writing and drawing the third volume of Secret Coders. We have three more of those to do. Okay. Uh, I'm also working on the next book that I'm both writing and drawing. Okay. And that'll be my first nonfiction book. It's about basketball. Awesome. I, I followed a high school basketball team for a season. And really? I'm doing a book about them. That's yeah. Awesome. There's actually a lot of overlap between. There's some uh, basketball in this one. That yeah, was, yeah. Was the other the only one here that you did do the art for, which I think is awesome. But so the um, American board Chinese. Yeah. There's a I was not a basketball fan growing up. <laughs> I actually just started getting into basketball uh, a couple years ago. This has been like an awesome conversation. Hopefully, we can maybe continue it offline and nobody gets to see it. Um, but um, I do want to thank you for coming and I think you're doing wonderful work. Thank you, thank like, you Regina, this yeah. was fun. And the voice said, neither snow nor rain, nor blue light, shall stay these glorious, from the swift completion, Round. 
Thanks for listening to Spark Science. I'm Regina Barber-DeGraff. We've been talking with Gene Yang, the current writer for DC Superman. Today's episode was recorded at the Digital Media Center at Western Washington University. Our show was edited by Nathan Miller and Eric Fabuletta. Our theme song is Chemical Calisthenics by Black Alicious, and our feature song today is Oh Superman by Laurie Anderson. So holy mama in your long Lead, gold, tin, iron, platinum, zinc. When I wrap your thing, iodine, nitrate, activate. Right uranium, the only difference is I transmit sound. Balance with some balance, then you add a little talent in. Careful, careful with those ingredients. They can explode and blow up if you drop them and they hit the ground.